The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. On Course is the theme for our 2018 Living the Vision series. And we're attuning to the core purpose and the soul path within ourselves. And then we're moving that inward direction uh, into purposeful and consistent livingness so that our greater and greater potential can be activated. Now we're also focusing then on five pathways to empower the possible. Five pathways to empower the possible, and we've covered three of them thus far, uh, visioning, claiming and initiating. Josh did a wonderful job on initiating. And so today then, we move into step number four, pathway number four, celebrating. Celebrating. Now, celebrating is a whole lot more than partying. Although there's not a whole lot wrong with partying on occasion, I'm here to tell you. Celebrating is more. Actually, celebrating is a profound spiritual practice. A profound spiritual practice because it links us to the divine energies within us and the spiritual power within all of life. It takes us to the very core of the creative power of God, inspired celebration. Maybe that's why it's written in the Bible, if we didn't rejoice, the rocks and hills would break out singing. How it is that we walk through our lives in the doldrums so very often. But if we didn't rejoice, it says, the rocks and the hills would break out singing. And I've always loved the passage, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. But how easy it is, yes, to be kind of just crawling through this glorious lifetime of ours. The, the, The great poet, Mary Oliver, asks the question, are you breathing just a little and calling it life? Oh, no, I'm, there's a story of a, a man and his wife, they're in their living room and they're you know, watching a TV and he, he says to her at one point, just so you know, I never want to live in a vegetative state dependent on some machine. If that ever happens, just pull the plug. And with that, the wife leaped up and pulled the plug out of the TV. <laughs> so easy to lapse into a vegetative state. Day by day by day, I love that St. Arrhenius, he said, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. We return to celebrating. Now, there's a simple key to this whole thing today. Just remember this. Celebrating is a power stance in life. Celebrating is a power stance in this life. And I want to cover today five power stances of celebrating. Five power stances. And the first one is celebrating higher ground. See, it's very important that when we see things in a lower state that we climb to higher ground, just like we're doing this Sunday with those who disagree with us. It's celebrating that there is always higher ground, even when things seem to be deteriorating. It's to have that spiritual perception, that inward vision, that heart, 
to know that we don't need to stay at the lower levels of what may be going on, whether it's in our lives or in our community or in our country or world, but that there's higher ground and we can celebrate it. And once we find that place to stand, we stay there with resilience and with dedication, celebrating that no matter how things might be eroding, there is always a higher ground for us in this life. And do you know that about yourself? Have you let yourself become energized to the lesser? Today may be why you're here then, is to to climb to that higher ground and to start celebrating. No matter what goes on, I stand on this higher ground. I was reflecting about a time about 41 years ago when I had completed my first year in the ministry up in my little church in Portland, Oregon. And I got to tell you, um, I was working as hard as possible because there was a part of me that didn't believe I was going to be able to do what I put myself in the position of doing at the age of 24 years old. And don't do any math here. It's not allowed. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, So I was, I was at a point, and we all get there, even us ministers, where I was kind of low. Uh, I didn't feel up to what uh, I was being called to do. And I... My self-worth was kind of low, and my energies were low, and I, I was trying hard, but in some cases I was probably trying too hard. And so I decided, the, the one brilliant thing I decided was to uh, go visit uh, a wonderful mentor minister who lived just across the Columbia River uh, there in Portland, in Camas, Washington. And his name, I've, I've shared about him before, Ez Ellis, Dr. Ezra Ellis. And he said, come on up. So I drove up there, and he greeted me in his normal loving way. The man was an embodiment of unconditional love, his wonderful smile, sparkling eyes. And after some pleasantries and a glass of iced tea, I told him, Ez, I'm, I'm struggling. You know, I'm kind of down on myself. I don't know if I can do this thing. And I'm working at a lot of stuff, and uh, it's not growing the way I expect it to, and da-da-da-da-da-da. And he just listened, you know, with that loving compassion. I could just feel like waves of warmth coming from his heart. And finally he said to me, you know, Raj, here's what I'd like to do. If you don't mind, I'd like you to sit back there and take some deep breaths and relax. And after you've relaxed for a little bit, I'm going to read you one of my favorite passages. And I want you to take it in. I just invite you to really take it in. And I said, you got it, as." And so I did that. I took some deep breaths. And he let me sit there for a couple of minutes, and then I heard his beautiful voice say these words. Have you not known, have you not heard, that the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. And he just let those words sink in as I pray they're sinking into you. And then I opened my eyes and he said, well, you know where that came from? And I said, well, the book of Isaiah, I think. And he seemed really pleased that I knew that. And he said, I invite you to really live that. And so he, he gave me a little bit of a formula that I'll never forget. He said, 
Become still and quiet more often. Don't get too caught up in the doingness of your calling. Get still more often. Turn away from the conditions and let go of your expectations and especially move away from the ego and the judgments because they only bring tension and conflict into you. He said, and then commune. He said, commune with that presence that's in the stillness. Commune with that. Move into that light that you didn't create, but that shines in you and for you. Commune with that. And he said, it's not greater personal power that you need. It's to allow the flow of God power through you. I'll never forget that. He said, don't struggle for more personal power. Allow the God power to flow through you. And then he said, then go forth and celebrate and mount up with wings as eagles. And I tell you, I could feel something move through me. I had a spiritual healing in that moment. He had taken me to higher ground. And there's times we just got to remember to celebrate higher ground. Take that power stance and move ourselves upstairs in consciousness to that higher ground. I reflect often on on, um, beloved Dalai Lama, His Holiness. Um, Erica and I have been with him three times and how he bears the weight of a of a culture that is being decimated by the Chinese. He had to leave, flee his country as a teenager and lead from afar and how he's become such a light and how it always is that when he enters a room, he's giggling and he has such a wonderful smile and he speaks of the power of the smile and keeping an open heart. And he talks about his friends, the Chinese, uh, as we're talking about our friends from Westboro. And, and it's always been such a teacher to me how... Through all of that and all that he carries and all the pain he's experienced, he celebrates higher ground. We can do that, you know. We're equipped to do that. Uh, On June 22nd, we're having a friend of the Dalai Lama's here, Pico Iyer. They're very close friends. He's an interesting chap, and I highly invite you to be with us. Uh, He's a wonderful guy. We've got a picture of him up there. Um, he was born in England to Indian parents, and then he was raised in California. Then he lived in New York, and now he lives in Japan. Now, the reason he's moved all around is that he's a very acclaimed, a renowned travel writer, and has been for a number of years. But there's an interesting chapter that he's moved into in his life, and it's to travel inward. He realizes that's the real journey. Uh, He's got a new focus. To remember that our happiness, our clarity, and our ability to be attentive and of benefit to ourselves and the world really is dependent on building that stillness into our days to slow down a little and travel in. Travel can give you sights, but silence gives you insights. In silence, we can step back. And eternity comes into our lives. Don't miss Pico Iyer. He's a beautiful soul. And don't forget that no matter what the chaos, the discord, the challenges, the heartbreaks, we are equipped to move to and to begin celebrating higher ground. And let us be a voice where we go of the higher ground of awareness, of the unconditional love and the peace and the oneness that we are about. Yes, a power stance, celebrating higher ground. The second power stance 
is celebrating empowered choosing. Have you remembered how sacred our choice is? What an incredible event in consciousness it is that we human beings vested with conscious awareness, self-reflective awareness, are able to choose. Now, so often we allow old patterned choices to choose us over and over and over again. And yet in any moment, we can choose anew. And we can choose dynamically. And it's time that we began celebrating empowered choosing so that we remember that we are always equipped to make a deliberate and transformational choice in our lives. Viktor Frankl, the great psychologist who endured the horrors of a Nazi concentration camp, discovered and proclaimed that there was one thing they couldn't take from him. And that was his ability to choose his thought and to choose his attitude. Now I'm telling you what, if he can know that and do that, in that situation there's not a single person here that can't do that. No matter what you've said to yourself, no matter what you're saying to others, you have empowered choice ability. And I invite you to start celebrating that. Deliberate, transformational choice in your life. Wow, I tell you, on this day where we may get picketed, I was um, really touched by the account of the granddaughter of Fred Phelps, who started Westboro Baptist, um, who had the courage, along with a sister, to leave the family. And and her name is Megan Phelps Roper. Now, here's a current picture of of Megan. And uh, here's what she writes. She says, I was a blue-eyed, chubby-cheeked five-year-old when I joined my family on the picket line for the first time. My mom told me to leave my dolls in the minivan. I'd stand on a street corner in the heavy Kansas humidity, surrounded by a few dozen relatives, with my tiny fists clutching a sign that I couldn't even read yet. It said, gays are worthy of death. This was the beginning, she says. Well, protests then at that early age, it became a daily occurrence. And she was raised to believe that we are in an epic battle between good and evil. And she states, the good was my church and its members, and the evil was everyone else. And and so she did this for the next 20 years. But her anti-gay picketing career ended 20 years later because of an interesting phenomenon. She began to go on Twitter and engage with people. She came out of the cloister of that cult and began to engage with others. And it was a profound experience for her. She began, even though there were spirited conversations, she began to experience the other and that they could speak civilly, which I think we need to practice a little more in our day and time. And that there was genuine curiosity evolving on both sides. And then a more even remarkable thing occurred when people she was engaging with on Twitter began to go visit her when she was protesting in their cities. And were being kind to her, including a Jewish person. And she'd been raised to hate Jews, all Jews. A Jewish man became very friendly with her and and had deep conversations with her. And she started to see these folks as human beings and not the demons that she'd been led to believe. And these became a build, building up a life-altering set of realizations for her, such that in 2012, with a sister, with great, incredible grief and terror, she left the family.
knowing that she would never again be able to speak with them. They would not ever allow it, and that has been the case. But as soon as she did that, people rallied around her. The friends she'd met online rallied around her. In fact, she was even given a couch to sleep on in food in the home of a Jewish uh, rabbi. And, and she began to transform. She began to listen and to learn. And then she wrote an in-depth apology for all she'd done. Most especially, she apologized for uh, picketing at the memorial services of slain service people. And uh, she was amazed at the forgiveness that came her way. Empowered choosing, gang. She speaks about our country now, and I think we ought to listen to her words. We celebrate tolerance and diversity more than at any time in memory, and still we grow more and more divided. We want good things, justice, equality, freedom, dignity, prosperity, but the path we've chosen looks so much like the one I walked away from. We've broken the world into us and them, only emerging from our bunkers long enough to lob rhetorical grenades at the other camp. I remember this path. It will not take us where we want to go. What gives me hope is that we can do something about this. We have to talk and listen with people we disagree with. I'm going to say that again. We have to talk with and listen to people we disagree with. And she said, we just have to decide that it's going to start with us. Celebrating empowered choosing. And we all have that capacity. And then the third one is celebrating emerging vision. To stand always as a champion, celebrating our vision, even if our vision is still in process, even if it hasn't fully unfolded. The great power stance is to celebrate the idea and to keep with that so that you can be guided to the ways and means by which it can continue to unfold into actuality, into form. We must remember to celebrate vision and not become discouraged if it hasn't fully expressed in full orb, but to keep celebrating that vision, keep aligning with that vision, staying on course, as our theme suggests. Oh, I love the words of of the great James Allen. The vision that you glorify in your mind, the ideal that you enthrone in your heart, this you will build your life by, this you will become. Oh, I invite you into the power stance of celebrating emerging vision. And then fourthly, the power stance of celebrating authentic heart. Authentic heart. Oh, what our world needs more than anything are authentic expressions of heart and caring and love. That is why we have this wonderful statement now that is an extension of our vision and mission called the heart of Mile High. It's because we are about authentic heart. The deep love of our being unleashed for all to heal our world so that we can, without embarrassment or holding back, step forward in the power of the love in our hearts. One time, a long time ago, I told you about a guy named Johnny Barnes. I want to bring him back into your awareness. Uh, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. He was born in Bermuda in 1924, and there he is, by the way. Uh, he's standing in front of a bronze statue of him. Uh, he passed in 2016, about a year and a half ago. Uh, he started as an electrician who worked on the railroad until it closed there in 48, and then he became a bus driver. But in 1986, he 
he came upon doing something new. He would stop at the Crow Lane roundabout, a significant roundabout, and he began waving to the traffic and blowing kisses and telling everybody, Good morning, I love you. And he, would, he did this for 30 years straight until he passed over. Rain or shine, from 3.40 a.m. to 10 a.m. He'd be at that roundabout, sharing his light. He became an institution, uh, beloved by all there. They called him Mr. Happy. And that statue was, was erected in his honor. And there have been documentaries about him. And he's known all around the world. And in fact, the police and, and radio stations would get frantic calls when he wasn't at his official pose. And Johnny Barnes wrote, I'm just a little instrument in the hands of God to be used in any way he sees fit. From 3.40 a.m. I stand on the corner and greet people and let them know that life is sweet. Life is beautiful. No matter what happens in life, it is always sweet to be alive, to enjoy the sunshine and the flowers and the birds. The good Lord and I are just trying to make people happy. We human beings got to learn to love one another. One of the greatest joys that can come to an individual is when you're doing something that is helping another. God bless Johnny Barnes and the light he brought. God bless all of us when we take the power stance of celebrating authentic heart. And there's one other. It's celebrating boundless beauty. Do you know what a vibrant, amazing miracle this earth is? And we get to be amongst the glory of creation. And sometimes we go to sleep in it. We go into that vegetative state, you know. We forget to celebrate the beauty and the glory. The beauty and the glory in nature. uh, In the arts. In people. In all sentient beings. To savor the miracle of it all. I love Elizabeth Barrett Browning when she proclaimed, Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. <laughs> Unaware, you see. But we can awaken, begin to celebrate the beauty, to celebrate the beauty in one another, to celebrate the beauty in life itself, the beauty in creation, to be a celebrant of all that is good and beautiful and powerful in this life. I celebrate the beauty in Mile High Church. This extraordinary place, this incredible spiritual community and congregation and all that it has been for decades and decades and all that we intend it to be, I celebrate the beauty of this. Do you know how great it is we can come here and speak a unique aspect of truth that blends all the faiths together and teaches people how to live their lives that works with our children to empower them, not bind them. Isn't it phenomenal what we have right here? It's beautiful. And I celebrate it, and I invite you to celebrate it. Next week in in our Stewardship Sunday, we have the opportunity to celebrate it actively, to step forward and champion it as we share how we're going to support this church in our coming budget year. What a joy it will be. So I just invite you into the power stance of being a celebrant of life, celebrating higher ground, celebrating empowered choosing, emerging vision, authentic heart, and boundless beauty. And I tell you what, just try it. 
Just give yourself to this. And you're going to find yourself moving from desperation to celebration. And then you'll be a revelation of all the very good of God. And so it is.